Good morning. And for those of you tuning in on the Japanese network, good afternoon. We're global. All right. Originally, I had put a scripture verse up there from Psalm 1. I'm going to see if it's still there. I'd like to read it. I know I'm throwing them off. So what I'll do is I'll tell you about my day yesterday. <laughs> First of all, I need to let the custodians know that the coffee that was spilled here was my fault and is not coffee. It is water. So it will evaporate, okay? All right, here we go. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Now, this is a verse that I learned in Sunday school back when I was in sixth grade. And we memorized the psalm, uh, that whole psalm. And it didn't all make sense to me in that time. I didn't know what it meant to live a blessed life. Uh, I know that a blessing that you, was something you said before dinner. Uh, but it stuck with me, and I just want to say that whatever scriptures you have inside your heart, inside your head, whatever you've learned as a child, whatever you read this morning or this week, let those things dwell in you richly, because God will pull on those things. Those words of his are true, they are right, they are powerful, and as I grew up, that became a foundation of me being a blessed man of me not wanting to walk in the counsel of the wicked, me wanting to pursue God and to become in love with his word. And thankfully enough, I had a lot of good people in my life who modeled that in a non-judgmental way, but a very helpful coaching way. So I'm looking around this room, and I see a lot of people in here that have helped me become the man that I am today. And I want to say thank you. This is a good place. This is a good church family. This is a good opportunity for each one of us to see God's love to discover God's plan and to experience his spirit through the people around us. We're not here to exalt people. We're here to exalt Jesus. But the way that Jesus is often exalted in the earth is through godly men, women, teenagers, and kids who have sold out their life and their heart to live a life devoted to Jesus. And you can tell that their lives are devoted to Jesus because they live the way that Jesus lived. When people spend more time with Jesus, they become more like him. And that's what I love, is that our job isn't to do all of the Christian things. Our job is to do the one thing, and that is spend time with Jesus. If we spend time with Jesus, we know the heart of the Father. If we know the heart of the Father, his spirit dwells within us. Ooh, I got a pen. One of the great things about working at a church is I don't have to rely on the bank drive through for all of my free pens anymore, okay? <laughs> going to put that back here. When we walk in his spirit, his power is upon us. His gifts are with us. His comfort is for us. God wants to manifest change in this hopeless planet that so many of us feel like we live in. And it seems like we're fighting an uphill battle. It seems like everything around us, everything on our Facebook feed is just fighting and bickering and bad news and God is bigger. None of this takes God by surprise. God is raising up a church 
to stand in the gap, to live for him, to be sold out to his word, and to build his kingdom. And he is ready with his indwelling spirit inside of each one of us to let his life and his dreams be lived out in the earth for his kingdom, for his son's name's sake, through you and me. Hallelujah. That's good stuff. <clears throat> Felt like God uh, just shared with me early this morning as I was getting up and getting a little anxious. Um, said, David, don't prepare your message more than you prepare your heart. Tell your stories, and I will tell mine. So this is not about me being funny or clever or whatever. This isn't me being the neat kids pastor guy. This is about Jesus, who came to this planet according to his Father's will, filled with his Spirit, to not only make a change, but to allow us to participate with him in being the change. So... We're going to talk about a lot of things that we should do because we're church people. But we're not doing them to get God's favor. We're doing them because we can't help loving God more when we find out who Jesus is. And when we find out who he is, we just become more enthralled with him and enamored with his word, filled with his, filled with his truth. And then we just start living out our lives like Christ lived out his. The more time you spend with somebody, the more you become like them. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes, not so good. So when someone sees something in you that they don't like, blame it on someone else that you hang out with a lot, all right? <laughs> Just don't tell them I said that. So uh, this week, my neighbors, two doors down, chopped down a tree. Or they were getting ready to chop down a tree, a big ash tree. Just want to clarify that for the recording. Big ash tree, Okay. And uh, supposedly, <laughs> what was so funny about that? <laughs> Sickos. <laughs> and they said, well, we don't have a fireplace. We don't know what we're going to do with the wood. But, you know, it's this huge tree. The guys are coming over, you know, and, uh, you know, we're just getting them some cash on a side and a case of beer. And I said, well, this ought to be fun to watch. <laughs> Hopefully you wait till after they're done with the tree to give them the case of beer. But, you know, um, so these guys cut down this huge tree in their backyard. And she said, hey, I know you have a lot of parties. I know you have a big few fireplaces and fire pit. You're welcome to come over and get some of the wood after we chop down the tree. All right. Well, that excites me. Well, she said, free. Okay. That excites me, too. Then I went over to the backyard and I looked at these stumps. I was not excited anymore. I mean, I, I can work a scissors on occasion, but a saw, good. But in order for everyone to benefit from that firewood, it had to be turned into firewood. It had to be sawed, it had to be split, it had to be stacked, it had to dry out. <laughs> I went over there. Free was a whole different gig, you know? <laughs> this is kind of the idea of the battle is won, but not done, which is the title of this talk today. The battle is won, but not done. The tree was there. All the wood that I could use for the next 88 years of my life. <laughs> Do the math. It might happen. No. <clears throat> I just had to uh, take hold of it. 
and do something with it in a way that I can actually benefit myself, my family, and others. Jesus hung on the tree. Jesus gave everything for us. Offered himself to us freely. He said, no one takes my life. I give it willingly. I couldn't have gone to my neighbor's house and just, while they were on vacation, started cutting down that big tree. No, no, no. No one takes my tree. Ooh, I sound like Pastor Andrew right there. Nobody takes my tree. <laughs> nobody, ain't nobody take my tree. <laughs> but they gave it to me willingly. All I had to do was get rid of it, take it out of there, and put it to good use. Jesus paid it all. He hung on that cross. And he invites us to take the free gift of being rescued from our selfishness, our sin, and our eternal destination of darkness, pain, and separation from him. He invites us to something better, to something good. Jesus paid it all. That is the one song I can play on the harmonica. Jesus paid it all. Come on, who knows it? All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain that I could never clean. But he washed it white as snow. He doesn't just wash us. He washes the sin within us. And we become his representatives in the earth. We become filled with his love, filled with his spirit, usable for him to live his life and his dreams through us. That's what we get to do. Yes. Well, that was how my yesterday morning started. So you'll know the guys that were helping me. I had about 15 guys come over. You know, I felt like Tom Sawyer painting the fence. So you'll know the guys because they're the ones that are hard to get out of their seat today. You know, they're, uh... So we sawed it up. We split it. We were there for a long time, and it's all stacked on the side of the house. It's amazing. I want to read uh, from the book of Galatians, and I'm going to invite you to stand, if you would. If you helped me saw yesterday, you can take your time. <laughs> Galatians 3, starting in verse 10. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scripture says, cursed is everyone who does not observe, who, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all these commands that are written in God's book of the law. Consequently, it is clear that no one can ever be right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. How different from this way of faith is the way of the law, which says, if you wish to find life by obeying the law, you must obey all of its commands. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree, who is hung on a tree. Through the work of Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing as he promised to Abraham. And we Christians receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. God, I want to thank you that you have given us the law as a guide. But this guide was something that we could never follow 
to the letter. So because of that, we were cursed and separated from you because you are perfect and we are sinful and selfish no matter how many times we try to obey the letter of the law. We can't. Your commandments are great. Too great for us to follow every one of them all the time. So we want to thank you in this moment for sending your son Jesus to fulfill the law, to give us grace, to forgive us, to rescue us from our selfishness, our sin, and our despair so that we could now be carriers of your good presence. So that now, although we were unfit to be forgiven, you counted us worthy to come to this earth, to die on that cross, to make us something that we could not make in ourselves for your name's sake. Thank you for loving us to that extent. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. My neighbor's tree was my firewood. The Savior's cross is our freedom. After we finished chopping that wood, uh, I had a friend of mine there, and we were getting ready to go to Jefferson. This weekend opens the Jefferson Auto Show and Swap Meet, and you know me, I like cars. If you know my wife, you know that I like junk, and uh, so I like to go. It's just like a big flea market car show. That, that wasn't a joke against my wife. That was a joke about my junk collecting. <clears throat> Jeepers. Going to get myself in trouble here. I'm glad she doesn't come till second service. Okay, good. And I'm glad my children don't listen to the messages. <laughs> so <I'm> just, <clears throat> uh, so uh, I, happen to, I happen to know the owner who's put on this event for the past 30 years, Gary Essie. Uh, became a great friend of mine, and I've known him for years. And uh, him and I get together once in a while, and anytime he sees me, he's wanting to give me free passes. You're coming to the big one. You're coming to the big one. Yeah. So we went out to the event, and I was going with a buddy of mine who... Uh, we were just going to go out there together. And so he's like, hey, uh, I said, hey, man, Gary gave me free passes. He's like, dude, all right, I'll come and pick you up. I'm like, all right, getting better. So he actually came early, helped us split, saw, and stack wood. Uh, and then, you know, we hobbled out to his car, and uh, we started our way down to Jefferson. Before we left, my wife comes out, and she says, oh, honey. And she brings out this envelope that says, for Dave... Jefferson, and it's filled with cash because they only take cash out there. And this is my wife supporting my habits. <laughs> and she's like, just in case you find something you really like. I'm like, I don't know whether to go or whether to stay home right now. You know what I mean? It was awesome. <laughs> so we went out there and we had a great time. I mean, there's so much junk, so much stuff. I mean, you might be a redneck if you hang out at the Jefferson Auto Show and swap me, man. And it was great. I loved it. I just loved being out there, and it was so fun. And just seeing all the stuff that people think is worth money and the goofy things that people are buying and selling. And it's just the bartering is so much fun. I wasn't finding anything that I wanted. I was just having fun going around and smelling people's cigar smoke and, you know, and smelling like diesel and wearing my ripped jeans, and I was just kind of out of the crowd, you know? And, uh, but my friend, he ended up buying some stuff. Oh, these would be cool tires. He's got all these little projects. He's like, my wife thinks they're projects that are never going to get done, but, well, she's probably right. But anyway, I still want to buy them. So he's bartering, 
So I'm kind of the bad cop and, you know, getting him down to the lowest deals on these things. Well, the more we brought, the more he bought, the more we had to lug around this place. I mean, we didn't bring a wagon, you know, like the smart people. Uh, I'm carrying like two huge tires in my hand. Then he buys seatbelts for this hot rod that he owns. And, um, and then he buys something for his dad that's like huge. And he's like, here, hold on to this, you know. And, uh, and we're going around and we're trying to eat our hot dogs. And I'm like, dude, let's get out of here. You know, and it's a six-mile walk to the car. Well... It was really fun. I got to carry the stuff that he bought. But you know what? The tickets were free. He came and picked me up. He paid for parking. I had everything taken care of. But I got to be the carrier of the goods that he came and purchased. Now, you know, that's like us. God sent his son Jesus to, he paid the cost. He took care of all of the critical details. And here we are, privileged to learn about some of his hopes and dreams through us, and then even more privileged to be carriers of the things that he purchased with his son's life on the cross. We get to be carriers of God's good presence, of God's good plans, and of hope that we can be for everyone around us. God allows us to be carriers of that presence. And it's no longer, oh, come on, dude, we gotta go, we gotta go. Shut up, eat your hot dog, let's go, you know. Um, no, I'm like, no, I'm gonna do this. And then, then I would carry more stuff so that he was more free to like barter and bargain with these people. And I mean, I'm walking around, I mean, now I'm limping this morning, you know, and uh, it was just, it was a pleasure watching this guy. I, we haven't been friends very long living out his dream, talking about his pet projects, buying stuff for a good deal, and I get to carry all the stuff. I mean, it was just kind of fun to watch him do what he wanted to do, and I did all the grunt work, and he got to live out his dream. And it was, it was just so fun. And uh, we get to let God live out his dream when we say yes to him. And it's not a duty any longer. It's something that we delight in. And if you haven't found the delight in knowing God and walking with God and learning his word and knowing Jesus more, I pray and hope that today you would find that it's not about duty. It is about God's delight in you. All right, I want to read a few more things from Galatians. The Apostle Paul wrote this book. Galatians uh, chapter 3. Verse 21. Well then, is there a conflict between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could have given us new life, we could have been made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures have declared that we are all prisoners of sin. So the only way to receive God's promise is to believe in Jesus Christ. Until faith in Christ was shown to us as the way of becoming right with God, we were guarded by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until we could put our faith in the coming Savior. And so that's how we live our lives right now. We put our faith in the coming Savior. Galatians 5. And it just gets better and better. So Christ has really set us free. So Christ has really set us free. 
Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Down in verse 4. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, obeying rules, doing all of the commandments, if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive everything promised to us who are right with God through faith. We are right with God, not because of the behaviors that we do and the things that we've done and the accomplishments that we have. We are right with God because of faith in what his son Jesus has done on our behalf. Jesus came, hung on a tree, died on a cross. God revealed his love for us when Jesus died on a cross, and he revealed his power when he rose Jesus Christ from the grave to prove that he has power over sin and death and life more abundantly for us. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and me, then God will quicken our mortal bodies to live out the life that he's called us and invited us to live. Verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom. Not freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, but freedom to serve one another in love. That's the deal. So if it's not about rules, does that mean I can break them? Well, sure. If that's really something you want to do. But as we know Jesus more, he has set us free to serve others with the love and the life that he's shown us. And God says, freely you have received, freely give. And that's what he's done for us. He's given to us so many good things freely. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And it's for us not to hoard, but to give away. Yeah, yeah. Page two. All right. Oh, good. The old people know what I'm talking about. Okay, hang on. Just kidding. I mean, I'm old. In two years, I'm going to be a prime timer. I get to come party with the potluck crew. <laughs> I get to fall asleep in church and no one will think twice about it. You know, there's all kinds of benefits. <clears throat> I, get to get, I get to call people over to my house and chop all the wood while I sit around and drink coffee. Well, <laughs> my son Silas, when he was young, he always just, I might have shared this with you, but he always sounded like he had a, just, just finished a pack of camels. I mean, he was like, hey, Dave, hey, Dad, Dad. And it was just, he'd come out of, I mean, from the get-go, it was just, rah, rah, rah. camels are cigarettes, for in case you don't know what that is. You know, um, <clears throat> pack of camels, is that in the Proverbs? <laughs> <laughs> Hump day. Okay. So Sarah and I are in the kitchen. You settle down. Okay. Sarah and I are in the kitchen. We're just hanging out, drinking coffee. It's in the morning. We didn't even know that he came up because when he doesn't speak, he's very quiet. When he does speak, the whole neighborhood knows. And, uh, but he was four years old, and he kind of saddles up to the bar, and Sarah and I are just bantering in the kitchen, talking, whatever. And uh, all of a sudden, we hear, you know what I like best about you guys? Dude, where did you come from? And then we're kind of curious. Uh, what, what do you like best about us, buddy? The way you like each other so much. And I'm like, does that four-year-old have any idea the brilliance of what he just said? What I like most about you, mom and dad, 
is the way you like each other so much. See, our kids have a lot of friends, and mom loves those kids, and dad loves those kids. But you know what those kids wished more than anything? Is that mom and dad would like each other. Now, a lot of us in here are not living that dream. A lot of us in here might have given up on that dream or failed at that dream or someone else failed at that dream. But see, our son knew that he was protected and safe if mom and dad were in love with each other. John Bloom said, if we love God most, we will love others best. My kids know that Sarah and I love them the best when we are loving each other the most. So what's the point? The point is to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And those aren't duties. Those are a delight. We are loving him in response to his great love for us. And the more we love God, the better we're going to be able to love people. Dilly dilly. Okay. Galatians 5. Okay, so here's the deal. It's the last scripture I'm going to read um, in its entirety. And then uh, we're going to have a little story hour, okay? All right, just so you know, in case you were thinking of falling asleep, hold off, okay? (laughs) So I advise you, Paul says, to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting against each other, and your choices are never free from this conflict. How many know that to be true? We know the right thing to do so often, but it is so hard to do it all the time, and it is so easy to give in to sinful, rebellious, wicked, evil patterns. And doggone it if the belt line didn't provide most of those excuses for me. (laughs) That's why I moved to the east side. These two forces, I'll say that again, are constantly fighting each other, and your choices are never free from this conflict. But when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are no longer subject to the law. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. Ooh, what kind of evil results? Well, If you want to talk about what your Facebook feed looks like, here it is. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except for those in your own little group. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that is not saying that everybody who does any of those things is cut off from the kingdom of God. That's saying anyone who is living that sort of life, anyone who is living a lifestyle that is devoted to these things is not going to be close to God, is not going to be near God, is not going to experience 
or receive the kingdom of God. God loves us in our weakness. His power is made perfect in our weakness. It's our weakness and brokenness and shortcomings and sin that actually led him here to save us and rescue us. So if you get caught up in some of these things from time to time and you, I did it again, and you want to get back up, God is with you. He is for you. He is reaching out to you. He is lifting you. He is carrying you. His grace is sufficient for our sin. His grace is sufficient for your need. His power is made perfect in your weakness. We are dark and sinful and rebellious, but yet we are lovely to him because we are his favored sons and daughters that he made. He created us to be children, brothers, sisters, family of God, the army of God, to build the kingdom of God for the glory of God. That's who God created you and I to be, and he doesn't want us to be bound any longer to a yoke of slavery, a yoke of sin, and a lifestyle of things are going to lead us away from him. He's inviting us to something greater. Amen. Verse 22, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here, there is no conflict with the law. Another version says, against such things. There is no law. Against such things, there has never been a law. These things are free. People want these things. People want to live these things. But unfortunately, people have been trying to go about these things in our own strength. And we try to do the right things. We try to win friends and influence people while we're drifting farther and farther from the Lord and farther and farther away from the truths of the Bible because we're doing the things in our own strength. Our goal and our mission is to take what Jesus has already paid for us by engaging in a relationship with him, becoming involved in a community of other people that are following Christ and wanting to be more like him so that we have models and examples that are human, flesh and blood around us, doing this thing together, being immersed in God's word, learning it slowly but surely, realizing that every crazy thing that's going on around us in this world and on this planet has to eventually submit to the truth of God's word. The battle is won. The enemy will lose. There is coming a day when Jesus will come and return and will take all of us who know him, who have relied not on our Christian behaviors, not on our church attendance, not on all of the social justice things that we've done, but who have relied simply in faith in Christ and what he has done for us and on our behalf, something that we could never do on our own. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come to this earth to to build a bridge between sinful men and women, children, teenagers, to build a bridge between sinful people and an awesome, perfect, and holy God. That is the good news of the gospel. Well, I want to encourage you. We're going to talk about this fruit of the Spirit. And I know when we think of fruit, we just we get hungry, and then we get distracted. Um, that is if you like fruit. Um, <clears throat> my favorite fruit is dark chocolate. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> Pastor Andrew and his wife used to babysit our kids when they were younger. And there was this little song that the kids made up. And you'd make it up about someone's name, you know. And they made it, uh, Willoughby, Wallaby, Andy, looks like chocolate candy. <laughs> 
And so they would like, they would go to Miss Lisa's house and Willoughby Wallaby Andy's house. And he just, he never put an end to it because he thought it was just so cute. They, my kids would go and they were little kids, but they, Andy's just got such a dark skin. Willoughby Wallaby Andy looks like chocolate candy. And they would just, they would go to his house and they would sing that song as they were coming up his driveway. And he still babysat my kids, you know? <laughs> Not sure what he did to them while they were there, but no. <laughs> but it was just, just, so anyway, yeah, sorry. Talking about fruit, I digress. <clears throat> All right. How many fruit of the Spirit are there? There are nine. They are not fruits of the Spirit. They are one lovely, beautiful, awesome tree that we get to be for others around us. We get to live this privileged life of representing Jesus to the world around us. Love. So, I want to tell you, Someone that models love to me in my life is my grandma, Stone. She died just a couple years ago. We can start putting up those slides, Matt. So there's my grandma and grandpa. That's at their 70th wedding anniversary. And my grandma, Stone, seemed like she got shorter and shorter over the years as we got taller and taller. I mean, I, I tell you, she had to be 4'1 by the end of it all. And um, <laughs> Thelma Lee Stone. We'd come to her house, and I was the oldest grandson. She, she'd always say, David, my number one grandson. And she'd come and just give me, you know, she'd hug me for like 10 pats, and then she'd get out her camera, and then she'd just start taking pictures of us. And then she'd spend the next half hour trying to get everyone's name straight. I mean, it was awesome being going to Grandma Stone's house. Uh, it's just nothing like going to Grandma's. How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God, as it says in 1 John. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. So when we love others and we bear this fruit of the Spirit, it's not something that we're creating in ourselves. It's simply a response to the love that God's already given and shown us so graciously, generously, and freely. Love, now these fruit, I love this because they are gifts, but they're also weapons. And so I just want to point that out a little bit along the way. Love is a gift. We love because he first loved us. That's where we get the fruit. That's where we get the byproduct of spending time with Jesus, knowing his word. 1 Corinthians 13, you've heard this, the love chapter. Love is patient and kind. It keeps no record of wrongs. The greatest of these is love. Love, love, love. God is love. This is a big deal to God. So love is also a weapon. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. God's love has been revealed in its perfection, and we have no need to fear because God's love and his presence are greater than anything that could come against us. Love covers a multitude of sins. One of the greatest turmoils we find ourselves in is being offended by somebody, and we let bitterness, unforgiveness just fester and grow deep within, and parts of our heart get hard. Love is a weapon, and God's love will cover a multitude of sins. God's love will help you forgive the person that doesn't deserve forgiveness because God will reveal to you in a new way that you didn't deserve his forgiveness. So freely give what he has freely given away to us. Second, joy. Now, I am married to a wonderful woman named Sarah, and she is perhaps the most joyful person that I know. She's the one on the right. And um, uh, 
Joy is different from happiness. Happiness often is based on our circumstances or how we feel. Joy is based on something deeper than that. Joy comes from within. Joy in Christ comes because the battle is won. Jesus has won the most critical battle over our hearts and over eternity. That is where my joy comes from. And I love it. I was in here in an Abundant Life Christian School chapel one time, and the, the whole theme of the day was joy. And they, uh, they were celebrating joy in three points. J-O-Y. Jesus, others, yourself. And that's the path to true joy. Uh, it's not in the Bible anywhere, but I love those words. Jesus first, then others and then yourself. I know that sounds counterintuitive. That sounds messed up. That's when our selfishness and legalism is just like, let me know. I might not get what I want. You just might not get what you want. And God's going to show you how awesome of a thing that is for you and for others. Thank you very much. <laughs> for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. The psalmist says that those who sow in tears, S-O-W, not a bad quilter, uh, sowing in tears, but uh, someone who sows in tears, someone who invests into others in tears, someone who is just, they can't cry anymore. There's so much pain and sadness and anger and sorrow. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Joy comes in the morning. God does not let us wallow in sorrow forever. He invites us to know the things that are good and right and true about him and about us, about his purpose for you and his plan for this planet. We are destined on a good course, and that brings us greater joy than any circumstance could ever produce in us. My kids, or the kids at school, will ask Sarah. Sarah works, she's at the front desk at the elementary school on the east side here, and um, and she works with special needs kids as well, since she has a lot of practice at home. And um, <laughs> my kids aren't here, are they? <laughs> and when I go over there, I mean, it's fun because for a long time I've been Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, and Sarah has been, you're Pastor Dave's wife, you're Pastor Dave's wife, you're Pastor Dave's wife, oh, Pastor Dave's wife. I go to Kennedy Elementary School right now. Nobody knows me, except for some of you guys who go there. Oh, you're Miss Sarah's husband. She's, do you know who Miss Sarah is? Oh, yeah. She's always smiling. I said, yeah, look who she married. No. <laughs> oh, I thought you were her father. <laughs> Seriously, that has happened on more than one occasion. Are you Miss Sarah's dad? Was that your dad? No. The other, another fruit of the Spirit is peace. My brother Mark is a police officer in the Chicagoland area, and Mark is an amazing example of someone who wants to bring peace and justice. Mark was always the good kid growing up. When my parents practiced their spanking skills, they didn't get a lot of practice on Mark. But they got a lot of practice on Jason and I. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, so, uh, Mark has always been a peacemaker. And I just want to say, tell you some things about, that the Scripture says about peace. 
God offers peace that passes understanding. His ways are higher than our ways. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. And Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let the peace of Christ rule and reign in your heart. Jesus entered the house after he was buried and everybody was mourning and weeping and wailing and the house was locked and they were riddled with fear and confusion and Jesus appeared in the middle and he said one word, peace. When Jesus is in the center, so is his peace. Peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness, James 3. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The most critical component of our existence has been settled. Being justified not by our works, not by our behaviors, not by the fruit, being justified by faith in Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes! And this makes us want to live out the fruit of the Spirit because we want to be more like Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Patience. Just a little patience. Yeah, don't get it. Never mind. Sorry. There's a little music in the show each and every Sunday. Okay? Patience. My dad. I know many of you have met my dad. Here's the gift of patience. The Lord is patient with you. Thank you, Jesus, for being patient with me. Patience is also a weapon. Those who wait on the Lord will what? Will renew their strength. That sounds counterintuitive, but his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. I'm not worried about being intuitive or counterintuitive. I'm worried about being obedient to the word of God. And then somebody would say, well, you're not supposed to worry about anything. Okay, well, you know, what I'm concerned about is being obedient to the word of God. Not by doing things that I think are right. I want to do the things that he thinks are right for my good and his glory. Hebrews 6.12, those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Ecclesiastes 7.8, patience is better than pride. So my son Levi was, uh, uh, last year during finals time, when they have finals at school, they, they have a shorter school schedule. And uh, so I took the afternoon off because I'm like, I'm going to spend the time with the kids, you know, since they're getting off uh, early. So I go into Levi and I said, um, uh, I was kind of waiting upstairs. I was going to take him, go get a burger. And uh, he comes upstairs, and, you know, it's like 12 o'clock, and he's usually not home at this time of the day, and, and he sees some chocolate on the counter. He starts getting the chocolate and you know, eating it. I'm like, whoa, 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 what, what? I said, dude, dude, I'm, I'm home early from work. I took a half day, so I could take you to lunch. Mm, mm. He just keeps putting his food in. Well, mm, I don't know. You don't want to go lunch with me? He's like, well, I'm kind of more in the mood for flavor than Philip right now. 
and he just keeps eating his chocolate and he goes back down to his room. I'm more in the mood for flavor than fill up right now. Dude, I, I took the half a day off work so I can come home and take you to your favorite burger place and we can get lunch. And you come up here and in 60 seconds eat all the chocolate on the planet and then run downstairs. I'm more in the mood for flavor than fill up right now. Well, that's what an impatient person is more interested in. More interested in flavor, feeling good, being happy, than fill up. Fill up comes when we spend time with Jesus and we spend time in God's word. And that's what's going to sustain us more than just flavor. So I never took him to lunch. But you know what? It was my gift as his father, and it was up to him whether he wanted to receive it or not. He, he didn't ask me to take a half day off work. He didn't ask me to offer a burger. I never told him ahead of time. He wanted chocolate. He was busy, and he did his thing. And you know what? God does the same thing with us. He offers it free of charge. He has no expectations, high hopes, because he knows what's best for us, but no expectations, and he leaves it up to us. All right, I'm going to give you a moment if you want to stand up and stretch because it's not fair that I get to do all this moving around. So if any of you have, like, my condition and you need to, like, move a little bit, <laughs> this is your moment, okay? <clears throat> but my dad is patient. Oh, I'm so thankful. I would not be here today if it weren't for the patient goodness of my dad. Next to fruit, kindness and goodness. And I'm going to show you some people up here that you might know. Elliot Polash and Joel Alberti. These are men in my life who represent the kindness of God and the goodness of God very well and very clearly. I want to tell you why. Part of the reason I'm putting pictures up here, because God reveals these things through those of us, through those that we know. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to think about the fruit of the Spirit and think of someone in your life who represents some of these things. And then I want to encourage you to go tell them. Love. Who is it that models love so well? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. These are great things that we can recognize in others and celebrate by telling them. Don't you know that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance? Proverbs 3.3, behold, the kindness and severity of God. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. The original tablet. Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Goodness. God is good. Surely, the psalmist writes, David, in Psalm 23, he finishes the shepherd's psalm by saying, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Second Peter 1.5, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Psalm 116.12, what shall I return to the Lord for all of his goodness to me? See, it's not about what we can do for us. It's about what we can do in response to him. Faithfulness. I have a friend named Brian Montre. We used to be in a boy band together. <clears throat> Brian has been a faithful friend for a long, long time. And uh, even back when we were fairly good-looking fellas. Uh, faithfulness is not trendy, cool, popular, or easily noticed. 
but faithfulness is godly. Faithfulness is one of God's, what I, my opinion, one of God's attributes that is most rarely seen, lived out in God's people. Someone who's faithful for a long period of time, devoted to Christ, first of all, and then devoted to his family and his friends. And uh, that is my friend, Brian Montre, who has allowed Christ to take hold of his heart, and I have been privileged to be invested into for 25 to 30 years by him. I will never leave you or forsake you. Faithfulness. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth, and it endures. Lamentations 3.23. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Psalm 36.5. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. Isaiah 25.1. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt and praise your name, for in perfect faithfulness you have done wonderful things. Things planned long ago. God makes plans, and he makes promises, and he sticks to them, each and every one. Gentleness is our dear friend. Uh, Angie Russo was an amazing model of gentleness. The Bible says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And for anyone who knew Angie at all, you know that Angie helped us all see Jesus more clearly. The Bible says that faithful are the wounds of a friend. And Andy, Angie was one of my closest, if not my best, female friends. And um, we could talk about all kinds of things. And as gentle and kind as she was, she would loved me so much that she was always willing to reveal when I was being a punk when I was being a snotty little brother, and she would always call me Davy. And Davy, and I always knew when Davy was coming that I was in trouble. Davy, Joe, can we just skip this part, you know? It was affection. Behold the kindness and severity of God. God is good. He is to be loved. He is to be feared. But gentleness. Angie modeled the gentleness of God. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And finally, self-control. One of my best friends. <laughs> Pastor Tom. <clears throat> now, 1 Timothy 3.2 says leaders in the church must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. In the Old Testament, the Lord said to Cain, sin is crouching at the door, waiting to have you. Cain wanted to murder his brother. The Lord said, it's waiting to have you. Be self-controlled. Don't let sin have its way. What I honor about Pastor Tom, one of the things is that he is consistently pursuing the heart of God, the word of God, and the kingdom of God. Consistently. He is not a perfect man, and he would be the first, well, the second. Alice would be the first to admit it. <clears throat> I've heard her actually admit it a couple times, um, which is a little awkward. I didn't know Tom would be here this morning. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> But um, 
A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls, Proverbs 23, 25, 28. 1 Corinthians 7, 5, devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. This is my least favorite fruit of the Spirit. I like to blame it on my condition, but that's not fair. I didn't say it was your fault. I just said I was going to blame you, you know. Um, but I just want to thank you, Tom, personally, for uh, being a model and an example for us. And I have seen you on your best days, and I have seen you on your worst days. And God is good and faithful and true, and you have never never wavered on that testimony, being only on your lips, on behalf of our team, on behalf of this church family and this region, but in the depths of your heart. So, self-control makes a difference, and it's reproduced in the lives around us. The fruit of the Spirit cannot be earned. It is a gift, nor can it be stopped. It is a weapon. Against such thing... There is no law. Can we put up that last one? So I want you to think of who makes a difference to you. And I want you to tell them. Okay. It is time. I'd like to... Could I have the worship team please come up? Just going to summarize here. The battle is won, but not done. Jesus has won our salvation, our peace with God. And he allows us to live out the life bearing the fruit of his spirit so that the world would know Jesus. So I want to give you three charges that, that stay near to Jesus. That's our responsibility. When we spend time with him, we'll know his vision and his heart and we'll become more like him. Second, trust in God's timing. Don't be in a bigger hurry than God is. Trust in his timing. And then look for opportunities. Be a good steward of the opportunities and the relationships God puts in front of you. Be ready and in season and out of season to give a hope, to give a reason for the hope that you have. Okay, final story. Put to music. So just when my day couldn't get any longer, last night was my daughter's prom night. Beautiful, beautiful daughter, Hannah, wonderful. She bought the tickets on her own. She went with a group of people. She bought her dress. She arranged the photo shoot and the places to go. She paid for the fancy dinner, arranged all the details, the drop-off was made. I simply provided the vehicle for all of these things to happen. But Hannah and I kept communication going until she finally was able to come home at 4 o'clock this morning. We were just monitoring where she was. I was so glad that she had made these arrangements. I was so glad for her responsibility, but I also wanted more than anything just to know when she was safe at home with me. I'd like you to close your eyes. Could we just close our eyes for a moment? Our Heavenly Father delights in watching us, communicating with us, cheering us on. 
But more than anything, he wants to ensure that we are ultimately safe at home in heaven with him. Jesus didn't come to earth to be a good example. Jesus came to provide the way for you and I to be safe at home with God. All of us have sinned and we all fall short of God's glory and his perfection. But he offers his love and his forgiveness freely. I want to say a prayer for anyone in this room that wants Jesus' forgiveness. I'm going to invite you to raise your hand if you just want to say, Jesus, I'm that sinner. I'm that selfish one. I've been doing it on my own too long. Forgive me. Save me. Rescue me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I see many hands. Thank you. God, forgive us. Save us. Heal us. Rescue us. Live your life through us. I'm going to pray a prayer, very simple and similar to the one that I prayed when I finally said yes to Jesus. And I'm going to invite you to, if you'd like to just put your hand over your heart and pray this along with me. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to come to this planet to save me from my sin. I need him. I love him. Please forgive me. Help me to walk with you, to know you more. Set me free from myself and my evil patterns and fill me with your spirit so that I could walk in truth, forgiveness, and light. Could you stand with me, please, all of us? We're going to have some people coming up front. If you'd like special prayer, this is a great time. You don't have to be in a hurry to leave unless you've got little kids. It's been a pleasure having the families here with us today and the kids, but I'd like to invite the prayer teams to come up. If you'd like special prayer, if you'd like just to linger, sing, worship, chill, this is a good place to do it. Let's be close to Jesus so that we can change this world with something that is going to make a kingdom difference. Amen? God bless you guys.